0: Of a series called Upon This Rock. So, we've got all these cults. Now, there's a queer movement, you know, and there's. um, and all the other ones, you know. Um, Now, not all of those are in agreement. Um, For example, um, in the queer movement, there's a strong push for uh, let's say let, let's say you're a lesbian right and you want to be progressive and all that sort of thing but you prefer women right you're a, you're a, you're a, a, a biological woman and you prefer women and you're not interested in biological males right so you're a genuine biological lesbian I don't want to get too wrapped up in identity versus biological and all that. Just, just form ideas in your own head. I'm not getting into that. I don't get political, you know. And I definitely don't want to bore myself. I don't care whether I bore you, but I don't want to bore myself with having to oh, explain every little thing along the way. So I won't, right? And obviously, in these podcasts, I don't care what you think of me, you know, because that's that's uh, part of my zen. You know and you'd have to listen to my podcast which is called uh, a parrot's squawking to understand what I mean by my Zen you know I'm not here to please or to appease yeah. right so we have all these cults right so imagine you're a lesbian and this is you know one idea now the uh, by cult I mean you know an ideology and you're only interested in what is it biological females and all that sort of thing and and maybe even only people who identify as female as well right or uh, women you know but then there's a whole queer movement which is very powerful and that's a different cult because the queer movement says that you as a lesbian sort of female woman um that you are that you are being a bad person if you, um, show a, a lack of interest in someone just because they happen to be biologically male and the queer person might say, but I identify as a woman, so why are you, why are you ruling me out as a potential date or a, a life partner? That's discrimination, you know, so, um, and we do, and there are problems with that, you know, so, um, apparently in a, there's a, a, in England, um, <laughs> i didn't know i was going to get onto this i was going to talk about something else but yeah this is the way these podcasts go and it's only one of my podcasts right in england there's a sleeper carriage right and you on a train so you, you sleep on the train now they're double they're doubles they're doubles um what that means is um you could sleep in these sort of fold-out beds or something that are in the trains on an overnight train, you know, up to Scotland or something like that. Now, just the logistics of the way they are arranged, they are, they sleep, sleep, you end up sleeping in the same space as someone else. Now, I think historically, you know, for as long as these trains have existed, um, uh, maybe if you're a married couple or whatever, or, you know, or a couple, a couple, a male-female couple, all right, you can go in there. But you can show a preference if you're a single female to not having to share with a male, all right. And ditto if you're a male, you might not want to share with a female, you know. So there was that was allowed. But in the modern era of you know the cult of not discriminating, which is fine. I'm not, you know, I don't care. actually don't care myself, but in the modern world, there's a sign in there now saying that if you are a female, and I forget what the sign says, but I heard it on a philosophy uh, podcast called Philosophy Bites, uh, which you can go and find, and there's an activist in there uh, trying to protect the rights of lesbian females who don't want to, for example be forced to share such a bunking arrangement with a queer male, who doesn't even see himself as a male, but he's just a, he's a a person, see, and he'll say, it's an absolute irrelevance this queer person was, because this is one cult, the queer people, now, I'm not being discriminatory in saying these are cults, you know, um, the straight people are a cult too, just happen to be extremely numerous, that's all. So, you know, I'm not making a value judgment. Right, so the way it works is you could be a lesbian and you want to bed down in one of these bunks. Now, um, on an overnight train to Edinburgh or something and um, there's a law on the trains and I think it's a sign in the form of a sign saying, please be respectful to other people if, you know, If someone identifies as, you know, if someone hops in your carriage, your bunk, because you don't book them per se or something like that, I don't know how it works. Um, If someone who appears to be a male, by which they mean, you know, has, well, biologically has a toolbox, you know, what you might call under his toga, you know what I mean? Right, if a male, if a biological male hops in the carriage, but he tells you he identifies as a female, you cannot discriminate against him. Now that's, that is uh, apparently the ideology of the queer movement. Um, but a lesbian girl might um, say, yes, but I'm a lesbian who's not into that. Um, I only want biological females in. And then the, a queer person from the other cult might say, you are discriminating against me by showing, a, you know, discriminatory preference for people who are biological female. And see how it gets tricky. Alright, so that's that. Whose side am I on? Well, I'm probably on the female's side, on the lesbian's side on that occasion, but I could be being a bad person on there. You know, if there was a queer in this car, a male who was born biological male, you know, he might be actually breaking down and crying right now because I'm saying this. I could be hurting him and he could commit suicide. Um, now, I know this sounds crazy, but this is the way the argument runs, and it really does run like that. Because I'm speaking like this, I, he, I am making him less a woman than this lesbian. You know, He, he might be actually distraught now, and I shouldn't even be making this episode. Now, this is the way it works. You, you will think this is crazy, but this is the way it works. I am not supposed to be able to even discussing this because if he was listening to this episode, he might be so distraught that he might commit suicide. So I shouldn't even be debating the matter or discussing the matter or having a dialectic on the matter, you know? Or anything like that, you know? Quickly interrupting myself there. What I'm getting at with that is, there is a a train of thought in the world today that, if a debate is going to distress a person who is affected by that debate to the point of suicide, perhaps, you know, this is very serious business and um, that is a serious matter. But the issue in the modern world is uh, that there's a movement up and about that if someone is going to be distressed to the point of suicide, if a debate takes place, then the debate shouldn't take place. Right. But the the issue with that, that I'm getting at, is that um, that lesbian girl then, in such a case, if it can't even be debated, and a sign is sitting in that carriage, a lesbian girl, um, you know, maybe, let's say she's 17, you know, um, she might be in that carriage, in that bunk, and a, a, a person hops in who's a, a woman, but is very much a biological male, very much a biological male, and, you know, let's say highly sexed as well, why not, you know, uh, there's nothing, you know, there's no rule against that, alright, uh, a, 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 an extremely biological male might hop in that bunk with her and there's a sign there that says um, and she says excuse me are you a, a woman uh, you know and she might say that uh, sorry are you a man you know I, I, I'm a bit um, I feel unsafe and he says in a deep voice yeah no you know sorry I'll try and do a deep voice because I haven't got a very deep voice no I'm a woman and um, <clears throat> you know I'm a woman and um, she goes oh oh I'm so sorry here yeah jump in, you know, she might be unsafe, you know, now, um, now, now, she, no, but if you were a queer, oh, sorry, you you know, is she unsafe, is she unsafe, you know, well, you know, I feel a debate needs to be had there, but it can't be had, because the act of having the debate might distress someone to the point of suicide, now, this is extremely tricky for me, um. Should that debate simply not be had and we just cross our fingers and hope for that young young girl? What if she says we need to have a debate about it? What if she, you know, hops off the train at the other end, absolutely distraught about something that's happened to her? You know, and that, that's possible. Tell me it's not possible. You know, let's say that, um, you know, he fell in love with her. I mean, she, you know, <laughs> he, I, she, they they, you use the pronoun, you know, what if that, um, um, biological male who's a woman fell wildly in love with that 17-year-old girl in, um, you know, and let's say he's 30 or something, and, um, on that train trip, and she, oh, and she rejects his advances and there's a, oh, it's she gets very uncomfortable, and she hops out at the other end and makes a complaint. And then she, you know, and now imagine we are 10 years in the future. Not now. Right now, I think the police would listen to her. But imagine the queer movement keeps becoming more powerful and becomes the dominant sort of gender movement, becomes stronger than the lesbian movement, for example. And 20 years from now, um, she might be charged for having made a complaint about him, you know. Now, that sounds stupid, but, um... Yeah, uh, do, one one ideology can dominate over another ideology in time where there's a conflict between those two ideologies. And to a very large extent, this is going to segue us back to Rome in a minute um, because um, there were, let's say, there were 50 sects, sects back in Rome, nothing to do with gender, um, because gender was already covered in Rome. Uh, so they, they were more thinking about... Um, other ideas of progressiveness. And, you know, back in Rome, we had 50 sects, but one was going to come out on top, you know, because that's what happens with the ideologies. And, um, you know, there might have been 50 messiahs in Jerusalem, 50 messiahs, and it would transpire that one would come out on top. You know, so this whole... episode ends up nothing to do with gender um that the gender example popped into my head and ended up taking on a life of its own but we're about to drop that now and get back to rome and now let's do that just before i do do that oh wait a minute i just remembered turn the hang on I just remembered, turn the, um, what's the rule? Turn the Bluetooth off so that there's better quality sound. Did the sound improve then? I'll listen back to this in a minute to see what the effect of turning the Bluetooth off is. Yeah, um, the the, um, the example of what happened to that girl on that train I th- um, is probably not what I was looking for. Uh, probably what would be more concerning for me is what, if um, the girl um, rejected, didn't allow him into the carriage, you know, didn't allow it, it, you know, they into the carriage, the uh, biological male, and then she got charged, you know, that would be the more likely thing, I think, 20 years from now, so not the scenario that I put up, that, um, that he, she did let him in the carriage and then, you know, um, he made unwanted advances because that's pretty clear cut because he could be got, I mean, she could be got or whatever it is, um, that other, the, the the male woman person could be got on just pure assault, you know, nothing to do with gender. So it's probably more uh, a case of um, what I just said, you know, uh, that um, she she refuses him entry in contravention to the rules because he said he was a woman and she... And, uh, and I did listen to a Philosophy Bites podcast, uh, an activist uh, f- acting for lesbians who w- was against um, uh, such uh, transvestite-type males who are women, um, feeling they have a right to treat themselves as fully woman. Wow, that is really tricky, you know. Even I don't understand all that, but she was an activist acting on behalf of lesbians, um, acting against males, you know, born male, biological males, uh, wanting to consider themselves as fully, male, fully female, um, fully woman. Uh, in that case, in that scenario, she wanted young lesbians not to be pressured into um, having to accept those uh, males turned women in the same way as they might um, accept people who are biological females. Very tricky. I don't even quite understand all of it, but I think you get the gist, and you can make your own mind up, all right? Now, back to where I was up to. That was, in, that was just an interruption on purpose. Um, so that's how strong these cults can be, all right? Or these ideologies, if you like. Okay. Now, I'm going to shift... Now back to ancient Rome, and we have an establishment system, which is Judaism. You know, and I'm I'm in Judea at the moment. I'm in Judea. You know, Sea of Galilee. You know, Jerusalem. All that stuff. Okay, um, and um, and Herod King Herod the Great. You know, all that stuff. Right, in the time of Augustus Caesar, the son of God. Now, Augustus Caesar was the son of God uh, because Julius Caesar was declared a god and um, Augustus Caesar was his adopted son. Now, that's actually going to be important soon. But technically, no, not technically, actually, in Rome, um, Julius Caesar was declared a god, as was the manner of things. You know, that's the way it was done in Rome. Upon his death, after his death, and he had made Augustus, you know, who wasn't called Augustus then, he was called, um, 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 um oh, it's really late 1219. Uh, I can't believe I can't think of it, but it doesn't really matter. I'm not here to impress. And, um, anyway, what did happen? Um, so, uh, so Augustus, therefore, became son of God in Rome. And that is official. You know, that's formal. That's formal. So Now, we, we happen to know that Jesus gets declared son of God as well. Now, you know, a lot of people think that everything about Jesus was a matter of revelation, you know, that just came out of nowhere. But almost all of Jesus' ideas... In fact, all of Jesus' ideas, as far as I have ever been able to ascertain, all of Jesus' ideas... You can trace back to ideas that were rolling around Judea at the time. Um, I think Jesus was a product of his um, environment. Um, and probably, uh, yeah, even the fact that um, it came to pass, I don't know if it was Jesus or Paul, um, it came to pass. Actually, it was, it was a thing called, I heard it on the podcast a council in Jerusalem, a council at Jerusalem, and I think that was after Jesus died, before Peter died, you know, before Peter and Paul were executed. Uh, there was a council in Jerusalem that said Gentiles were permitted to be in the sect. That was to become Christianity. Right, I'll get to that. You know, if you're keeping up with this, good luck. You know, because I'm just rambling because I'm so. I've been driving for so many hours. the moment when they said no no people who aren't traditional jews can join our sect and the podcaster i was listening to said this is the moment when this sect uh, became something different than the other sects the other progressive sects you know because that was a major major thing to allow non-jewish people to join your group um now this might be the moment where you say, all right, then, you know, Christians, you know, that, that's revelatory, you know, that uh, that is something original. Uh, but even there, I would say, no, that idea was rolling around Rome as well, because the Romans, this is what made Rome great the idea of bringing non Romans in to become Romans. You know, people who weren't Italian as such, you know, who weren't central Italian, you know, because the Romans would go on. You know, the Romans had that idea. That was the environment into the the Greco-Roman environment, which the Jews were trying to reconcile the modern world for them. So, you know, there is this idea that, ah, Jesus came along the world with most amazing ideas, out of the blue, but I'm not sure that he came out with any subject. I think he got a lot of them from Greece and Rome. I think Christianity might be a, a, a reformation of Judaism along Greco-Roman lines a classification (laughs) a classicalization of Judaism so it might be a blend of classical and Judaism Um, so me as a Catholic where did I get my Catholicism and my Christianity Um, I might have got it just as much from Recent Rome as I did from Jesus and Judas, you know. So that's what I'm getting at. I don't know that all these ideas were, you know, from God through Jesus, you know, or from God through the apostles or anything like that. So even that example, you know, that really made Christianity what? Was it borrowed from the idea of Rome which allowed even Spanish people to become Roman, and then eventually anybody to become Roman, Germans to become Roman, you know, eventually. You know, this was a Roman idea. You know, it wasn't a revelation on the part of, you know, Jesus who had revelations because he was God, you know. I don't think Jesus did have any original ideas. I don't think any of us really have any original ideas. We just stand on the shoulders of giants before us who have all the ideas. We just tweak them or make, join the dots. And I think Jesus was joining the dots. Um, he was just a product of his environment. I really think that, you know. And I um, okay, back to where I was ever, ever. yeah. I interrupted myself there, so I'll get back to myself now. Right, so let's roll back again. Uh, If you know anything about Christianity and the birth of Christianity, you'll roughly know, in all of that mess, what I'm talking about. And I'm not going to bother explaining. Now, what you had was establishment Jewishness. And you also had establishment Rome, of course. Rome is very establishment, isn't it? And, you know, and establishment Greece as well. And that was the kind of world into which... Jesus was born as legend would have it or possibly mythically or possibly actually but we've got no real way of knowing okay i don't really i don't even want to get into whether jesus existed per se as a single sort of person or not you know let alone all the uh, obviously mythical things that are attributed to him like turning water into wine um, uh, but, um, Jesus was born into, um, a, an environment in which Judaism, you know, Jewishness, oh, what's happening here, um, Jewishness, I'm not in, I'm in my wife's car and not mine and I don't know how, where all the buttons are, right, um, he was born into an environment where um, Rome was in a state of flux anyway, it just had a shocking civil war because of Julius Caesar, of course, you know. And um, and then, you know, Augustus Caesar as well, and terrible civil war, you know, uh, Mark Antony wanting to avenge Caesar's death, um, the senators being, hound- being hounded out of Rome for killing... Um, Julius Caesar, who was a populist, you know, kind of the Donald Trump of his time, but far more impressive on so many levels, you know, because he was a military genius and 50 other things that Donald Trump wasn't. Wait a minute. I just had a thought, so I'll quickly insert it. Uh, As I was listening back on that, I had a thought, and... um, Could it be, you know, it's often said that Jesus conquered Rome. But everything I've been saying there, and I haven't sort of heard someone say the idea like this, but obviously I'm getting all my ideas from other people. I get all, you know, and I do that in general. I never have an original idea in my life. But what what it makes me think is, did Greece and Rome conquer Jesus? You know, but for Greece and Rome... Would Jesus just have been a devout Jew you know, And all his life? And you know, all Jews continued on and been just devout Jews. What I'm getting at is if Rome and Greece uh, triggered all these um, Jewish sects breaking away from mainstream Jewishness, then maybe Greece and Rome did conquer Judaism at least as far as the ones who broke away from Judaism are concerned, one of which was the sect that Jesus headed up, but many other sects as well. So okay, so there's a thought, you know, later on it seems like Jesus conquered Rome in the time of Constantine and all that, when Rome finally decided to become a um, Christian uh, sort of state. Uh, But way before that, back in the time of Jesus, maybe Rome and Greece were conquering, were creating these religions such as Christianity with their ideas you know, um, Judaism coming into contact with Roman and Greek ideas and taking those ideas on and creating a new religion, which in this case would become Christianity, and uh, such that, you know, eventually, when Rome did become a Christian state, um, that wasn't such a dramatic thing because they were taking on a religion were they not that was something of themselves anyway because it was a it was judaism uh, reformed along greco-roman lines so it wasn't foreign you know when when uh, when rome became christian Eventually, you know, the way Christians these days like to say, oh, you know, Rome um, was conquered by the message of Jesus, you know. Well, I'm not so sure for all the reasons just mentioned. There There are other examples like this, you know, because the Greeks themselves, they were conquered by Rome, 146 BC or thereabouts, you know, they were conquered by Rome, but it's pretty much... Obvious that they conquered Rome in this at the same time, you know? in fact, ever since the start of Rome, Greece was conquering Rome culturally, culturally, you know Rome wanted to be Greece, you know? Rome wanted to be part of the Hellenic world and made itself part of the Hellenic world and wrote itself into the Hellenic world, so in about one forty six b c or thereabouts one forty five I can't remember exactly um Rome, at that point in time, only had two major opponents in their world. They would expand later and find new opponents, but at this point in time they only had two major threats, one being Greece and one being Carthage, you know. Now, Rome did defeat both of those uh, external threats, in that, you know, in 146 and 145 or one, you know, that in quick succession around that time. They did defeat both those parties and, yeah, but interestingly they wiped Carthage off the map once they defeated and absolutely utterly destroyed them. They were a Semitic uh, group, uh, what is it, Phoenicians, um, the uh, Carthaginians, and so... You know, it's interesting the the that um, they a- absolutely leveled Carthage and just destroyed them, yeah, uh, much like they would destroy the Jews eventually. You know, um, in the time of Hadrian, you know, much later, because these these cultures were very foreign to them and were a threat, a cultural threat. You know, the Jews were a cultural threat and trouble, and so were the Carthaginians you know they're both Semites, the Jews and the um, uh, you know the Jews of Jerusalem in Hadrian's time um, and you know uh, Hadrian did a Hitler on the Jews at that point in time and and that's the moment in history that the Jews still remember this day you know when you hear Jews say two thousand years ago we were kicked out of our Israel um long, long ago, what they're talking about is Hadrian, you know, and they say may, you know, may his bones be turned into dust. They still hate his guts to this, to this, to this day, the Jews. I think they hate him more than they hate Hitler. You know, I reckon they should hate Hadrian more than they hate Hitler, you know, uh, because he scattered the Jews into Europe and all that sort of stuff, did Hadrian up into the Germanic lands, you know, where Hitler would find them. Many centuries later, okay, but that, you know that was a Holocaust at the time. You know, it destroyed the temple, everything. All right, but interesting to see that the Romans obliterated those groups. Um, they did persecute Christians early on too, because they were foreign-ish. But eventually, they recognised in the Christians something that they could live with and be. And that's interesting, you know. So, in summary, you know maybe. You know, Rome conquered Judea um, uh, physically, you know, but they might have also uh, conquered them uh, rather a lot culturally, you know, which sort of um, triggered the birth of Christianity and even triggered the existence of Jesus. You know, I don't think Jesus would have been Jesus without Rome. I really don't. Jesus would have just been one more... Jewish guy, really, yeah, but for Rome, no Jesus, that's what I think, okay, so a lot of conquering backwards and forwards going on there, and sometimes if you physically conquer someone, they conquer you culturally, that happens a lot, all right, so Rome conquered Greece, but, you know, uh, uh, but they didn't destroy Greece because they respected Greek culture, they wanted, you know, they, they saw themselves as being part of that Greek culture, so they didn't destroy them, in fact, they actually employed them as their teachers, You know, slaves often, you know, teachers could be slaves, but teachers nonetheless, you know. So Greece conquered Rome, even as Rome was conquering Greece, you know. And I think Rome conquered the Jews culturally to a very large extent, hence religions like Christianity. You know, but then Christianity conquered Rome again in the time of Constantine much later but then again, sometimes I think Constantine took on Christianity for very um practical reasons I'm not convinced he was a perfect convert, as Christians like to put about um I think you know the Romans were famous um uh, they could they were they were they were quite happy to take on new ideas from other people um they weren't proud in that sense um you know they were if they saw a good idea, they took it. You know, they weren't going to stick to their culture at any cost. In or their only, their only desire, Rome was to win, and if that meant switching religions, they'll do it. You know, if um, they thought Rome would fracture using Roman traditional ways, they would switch to something like Christianity, which they did. You know, because that was better for them. Yeah. Um, okay, back to what I was talking about. I think there's only about a minute or two left and then that's the end of this podcast and I'll make something of what all this was about at the end. But look, I will now. I know what this is all about. Um, I'm establishing in this, in this um, three-part series called Upon This Rock, I'm establishing that Christianity... Uh, Jesus, Jesus, first and foremost, was very real, um, a very real idea, a very real concept, and a very solid foundation, um, upon which a new and very influential religion could be built, you know. I, I'm am I'm, I'm here to claim that Jesus was a very solid foundation um and then on that foundation he placed a rock which he called peter which you know was the first pope so to speak you know and and then even then it wasn't going to stand out um and it doesn't matter if jesus existed or not in what i'm saying but even then it wasn't a sect that was going to stand out markedly from any other sect but then it got very powerful because it made that wonderful decision to not confine itself to just Jews and in the terrible audio you heard a bit earlier because I heard it myself uh, which you probably couldn't even make out uh, I was saying that maybe they got that idea of inviting non-Jews into their sect you know that's when they went global Uh, that instant, at the Council of Jerusalem, you know, attended apparently by Paul, Peter and James, you know, chaired by James, my podcasting friend told me. Mm, All right. Um, But that was the moment that they went into the stratosphere where they set themselves up to be a superpower of religions Uh, But then again, you know, they probably got that idea from Rome itself, which was happy to do the same sort of thing and make people who weren't Romans citizens, you know. So I I really think the idea of Jesus gets a lot of ideas from Rome, you know, son of God, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, Rome even had pontiffs going back and back and back. You know, Julius Caesar was a pontiff, you know. And then, you know, all right. You get it. There'd be, I could go on and on and on, but let's finish it off. But you know what this series of podcasts is about. I wanted to establish Jesus as a very real figure, whether he existed or not, and a very solid foundation upon which a church could be built if it got the right push and the right pull. And the right push came along all right, and the right push was Paul. Paul was critical. You know, it would have been nobody, you know, Jesus would have been nobody without Paul. Paul was critical because he was Roman. He was Roman. He was Jewish and he was Roman. You know, his mother was Jewish and his father was Roman. He's the critical crossover guy, all right, because I do think that Christianity is, um, I I don't think we're Judeo-Christians in Australia, we people who are Christians. I don't think, you know, everyone calls us Judeo-Christians. I think we're classical uh, Judeo-classicists or classical Judaists, you know. I think that's what we are, okay. I think what Christianity is is Judeo-classicism and classical Judaism. That's what I think, and I think that's a very solid foundation. And the idea of Jesus himself, you know, that's very, even his name sounds Judeo-classical to me, because Jesus is a Greek word, and the word Greek is aligned with the word classical, you know. Um, Christ, Greek word. Paul, um, Roman word, you know, Greco-Roman. Paul is Roman, is it, not Greek? I don't know, but it's not Jewish. Saul is Jewish, you know. Peter, um, Greek word, but Peter's original name, Simon. Jewish word, so I think Christianity is essentially a blend between, well, Greek ideas and Roman ideas too, and Jewish ideas, you know, so the origin of Christianity, I think, and I may be pushing it too hard, but it seems to me to be Judaism, Greco-Roman Judaism, that's what I think it is, and even if I'm wrong, you know it's food for thought. Okay, back to the last minute or two. So, Jesus was born into a time when all sorts of new ideologies, you know, progressive ideologies were coming about. And they were, in Judea, they were basically about how do we reconcile all these ideas, you know, our traditional ideas of Jewishness, how do we reconcile that with these modern ideas coming out of Greece and Rome? And and a lot of these modern ideas coming out of Greece and Rome were obviously um, more the way forward, you know, and... Um, a little bit like all modern secular ideas in the 21st century, obviously the way, the way forward, you know. So, for example, in the 21st century, you know, throwing virgins into volcanoes to appease the gods is kind of out, you know, because it's obviously, it seems obvious to us, because, you know, it's the Western world. You know? I shouldn't have said all. Western ideas are obviously the way forward. What I probably meant there was all Western ideas are the way forward for Westerners who think they are the way forward, which is circular. Um, But for many people, the entire idea of the West is not the way forward. Okay. So it seems to be clear that in the act of trying to reconcile their traditional conservative ways with these modern and new ideas coming out of Greece and Rome in the time of Augustus Caesar or Jesus or whatever you want to call it, that time uh, progressive uh, radical ideologies were cropping up you know and one of them One of these was, let's say, the idea of Jesus. Now, this is really me. Um, It doesn't matter whether Jesus himself existed or not. You know, quite certainly, the idea of Jesus Jesus cropped cropped up. Now, I happen to think, and you can disagree with this, that it doesn't matter whether someone actually existed or not. you know, and I heard this on another podcast, it was a really good example, I think. Who's the most famous detective in the world? Sherlock Holmes. But Sherlock Holmes doesn't exist, and yet he does, you know, as an idea, right? So he adds something to the idea of detectives in the world, right? Our idea of detectives is enhanced by the existence of Sherlock Holmes and his, you know, and his mate, um uh, Watson, you know, and Biggles, you know, Biggles doesn't exist, but he does exist. He's inspiring to me, you know, in very bad ways as well as in very good ways. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a wonderful, um, can do sort of, uh, you know, action sort of, uh, um, competent, extreme, super competent, super confident, good leader, but also racist and a whole lot of other things too. But the point is he had his good points, you know. Um, so um, Biggles is very real, properly real, you know, in you know, in my development because I read all the, the Biggles books when I was a kid. Now, uh, Sherlock Holmes is very real. When you go to a – when you read a book, you know, I've never read any of the Sherlock Holmes books, but, um, but when you, if you were to read a Sherlock Holmes book – um that's a real detective in your mind, you know um and the same goes for Jesus, you know it's having getting to know Sherlock Holmes as a fictional character is no le- is not a is not less um enhancing to your experience of detectives. Than getting to know a real detective, you know, flesh and blood, real detective. It's not less. It's it's just an alternative type of thing, you know. Mm. And the reason for this, and Jesus, uh, you know, obviously, I'm, what I'm getting to is Jesus is uh, Jesus is the same. Um, whether he existed or not doesn't matter. He exists, yeah, you know, and and he's one that could have, been, you know, might well have, you know. I think a historical Jesus does seem to have existed, but nothing is known of him. You know, not one word uh, that is attributed to Jesus can be verified. Um, um, the uh, uh, the historiography of Jesus seems to roughly be that the only thing we know about him that was that someone like Jesus, but not named Jesus. We know that his name wasn't Jesus. We know that much because that's a Greek word, you know, Jesus. Just like Peter is a Greek word, you know. Um, so the Apostle Peter, you know, he was Simon um, in real life. So we know he had a name switch, you know, and apparently Jesus gave that to him. But um, but Peter is a Greek word, Um and Jesus is a Greek word, and Christ is a Greek word. Right, so a historical person existed with a name other than Jesus, and he's the one upon which Jesus is based, you know, our idea of Jesus, you know. And apparently there was such a person, um, but then as to all the words that are attributed to that person, look, maybe in general he said all those good words, you know. And um, and later on, you know, long after, you know, after he was died, after he died, you know, all sorts of um, wise and good sayings were attributed to this person, and quite possibly there was such a person. I, I kind of think there must have been, or there would have been, you know, if I am a betting man, you know. But it doesn't really matter if some of the words that are attributed to Jesus were uttered by someone else-wise, you know. Now, I'll get back to, you know, because there could have been another person called, you know, Robert. (laughs) Not Robert, but, you know, with the Jewish name, Um, who was another sort of of, um, Messiah type. Um, There could have been Messiahs on every corner, as the Life of Brian movie says. And I think there was, you know. So all these cults uh, were growing up. C-U-L-T-S. Um back in ancient Rome, just like we have cults now with my strange story of the queer and the lesbian, you know. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're different ideologies and that's what can happen. All right. So back then you've got all these cults and um, the one, the cult that was to, was to become Christianity, there was, it does seem fairly distinct, that was an ideology, you know, that was growing, that was growing, the, this idea of Jesus, you know. Um but not called Jesus yet, you know. And I think, I don't know when he started to be called Jesus, uh, when he got a Greek name, as it were. Uh, But the point is, somewhere amongst, you know, let's say there were 50 important cults, you know, um, uh, Jewish sects, S-E-C-T-S, you know, Jewish sects. um, Let's say there were 50 of them. And all these Jewish sects were, you know, kind of, a progressive version of Judaism, you know, along classical lines, you know, uh, bringing Roman, tr- that were a kind of blend of Rome, Greece and Judaism, you know, kind of a blend of the Western world as we might call it back then and traditional Semitic Judaism, you know, and they were a break from um the traditional straight Judaism, you know, and um, now let's say there were 50 such groups, you know, who knows how many, but one of them, and I think there was one that was, you know, the one that we come to know as Christianity, all right, now, so what I'm going to say is as far you know, my bet is there were say, and it doesn't really matter how many there were, but I'm going to say, let's say there were fifty sects um that sprang out of Judaism in the in in and um and none of them were markedly more famous than any of the others, and one of those happens to be happened to be one, the one that became Christianity. In fact maybe Maybe some ideas were taken some out of some of the others eventually by people who were going to build up Christianity pretty soon after Jesus died. People like Paul, you know. And maybe Paul threw in some of his own ideas as well. But there was a seed that was sown. One of the cults um, in Judea, you know, that didn't want to be straight Jewish anymore. They wanted they wanted to get modern because they could see the faults in Australia. You know, this uh, one of the progressive cults, uh, which already and they even they didn't know it, was marked out for future fame and glory, and we shall. I will call that idea. Yeah, you know, that cult, that one sect, that one Jewish sect. For now, in my mind, I will call that a sect based on the idea of Jesus. And quite likely, an actual person called Jesus. Okay, that's what I'll call the sect that was to become Christianity. Um, I'll jump off now. I've got to go and drop something off. But I may listen to that again and see if it made any sense and then put a little intro at the start to try and summarize what I've just said now, but to do it in an organized fashion, all right? So, signing out for now. And signing out for now found the button now end of part three of a series called upon this rock and it was a series of three episodes so that's the end of the whole lot